Moorcroft. Hi Adam, this is Sue Moorcroft. It's lovely to be talking to you on your podcast. Right. Uh, I'm just going to ask you a few questions. So, um, what made you want to be an author and how did you get into being an author? Well, it was something I'd wanted to do since I was a little girl. As soon as I realised that somebody created the books that I love to read, I wanted to be that person. And first of all, I thought I'd be a journalist, but that didn't work very well because I didn't want to stay in education long enough because I was a bit of a rebel at school. So I went into a bank and then I had my children and I um, just worked part time. So I worked for Motorcycle News and for Typesetters and I worked for my husband's business. And then um, I started to build my writing career up. I did a course and I started writing short stories for magazines like um, The People's Friend and My Weekly, Woman's Weekly, Ireland's Own, Bella, Best. There were a lot of magazines that took fiction then. And I took it from there. Right. Um... And I understand you were born in Germany and you yeah. spent a lot of time in Cyprus and Malta uh, with your childhood. What, what made you want to move to the UK? Well, I didn't have any choice. I'd have stayed in Malta if, uh, if I had had a choice, but my parents were in the British Army. So right. I was an army kid. And um, yeah, so I was born in Germany, but I was only there for six weeks. So it's no good speaking German have... to me. That must have been difficult being an army kid, though. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, there were some difficulties. You swapped schools every two or three years. Um, yeah. But that makes you very adaptable. It sounds a bit like Anne Frank, that does sort of thing. Yeah. She, she was like a war baby, wasn't she? Like a war kid. Well, she was, but I, I wasn't. I was only a peacetime kid. I'm not as old as Anne Frank would be. Oh, um, no. She, uh, she, she obviously was hiding from from enemy forces. I didn't. I was never in any conflict. Um, maybe for a little while in Cyprus, things got a bit hot there um, politically. So they moved most of the married, you know, most of the families out, and general headquarters that my dad was attached to moved to Malta. So we went to Malta for the first time then. Then back to England for a couple of years when I was four or five, where I, I um, was quite ill because I had measles. And then we went back to Malta. And ah. that's where a lot of my memories come from. Uh, and whilst you've been in the UK, over the time you've lived over here, what have you liked most about the UK that was, was is different from where you were living before? Um... Well, I suppose I'm very near the centre of everything. I live about 80 miles north of London. So in normal times, I can be in London in an hour for business meetings and things. Um, but mostly, I, I, <laughs> I liked Malta a lot more. When we came back, I was eight and a half, and Dad was stationed in the Ministry of Defence in London. And um, it was the coldest year, January for I don't know how many years. And I couldn't believe how cold it was. Uh, I absolutely hated it. And having to go outside and do PE at school, I, I came home and told my mum, thinking she'd call the police or something. And she just said, well, we're not in Malta anymore. Ah. Um, 
what's my next question? What in the the time you you worked for the sports newspaper? What did you enjoy doing uh, the best while you were working for the paper? What stories did you enjoy doing for the sports paper? And what did you cover just football or did you cover other sports while you did it? No, it was a motorcycle paper, motorcycle news. Uh, and I wasn't right. there as a writer. I was there. Ah. Um, the job was called copy taker. So the journalists and the correspondents from around the UK and also from around the world would ring in with their, the internet was not so widely used as it is now and they'd no. bring in and they'd read their stories over the phone to me and all my colleagues and we'd type them in and at, at the same time we'd like display them so they'd arrive in the paper in their proper form um, so it was an interesting job because you could be talking to people very late at night and they'd maybe be very tired and they'd been waiting a long time to talk to you but still you know they were in Spain or Ireland or somewhere while I was sitting in a little office in Northamptonshire right. I actually learned quite a lot about how magazines and papers work just from listening to the journalists and the sub-editors and the editor um, and I learned just um, just enough I think that when I became a freelance writer in the fiction world I had very realistic expectations and I understood a bit more of what was said to me than some people might uh, is there anyone that uh, inspired you while you were being an author like another author when you when you first became one was there anyone that inspired you well I'm inspired by an enormous number of authors really but the first if I had to choose one I would say an author called Neville Shute, who died before I was born. But he wrote a very famous book called A Town Like Alice. And um, it was a really sweeping love story. It was the first book that wasn't a kid's book that I read. I was only nine and I watched the film with my dad. And he um, said, oh, I've got the book of that in the bookcase in the hall. And he got it for me. And that was the first adult book. And I just absolutely a lot of it was set in the army so I uh, related to it I suppose and uh, I just absolutely loved it and um, I used to read a lot of his books then he used to get them sent to him every month and he used to police what I read so I didn't read anything too adult um, for my age group and uh, I used to chat to him about them and uh, I've still got all of Neville Shute's books right beside me now on a shelf beside me now um, and, you know he's very dated now his attitudes to women are dated and to what he would have thought of as lower classes and people of colour he probably was quite forward thinking for his time but he died in 1960 so you know he fought in both world wars and um, uh, what did what do you make of David Williams with his books that he writes? Do you think he's... I wanted to... That's one of my questions I really wanted to ask, ask you about David Williams, what you thought about his skills, because I know it's only children's books he writes, but um, I don't really read them. I read, like, biographies, but I didn't know if you'd... Um, I didn't know if you'd read any of his books. No, never, I'm afraid, because I don't have a child in the family of the right age. Um, ah, right. So I've seen him across the across a party because he's with the same publisher as I am, 
and that's the um, and I hardly watch television unless it's Formula One or documentaries. So I'm afraid I I can't give you any inf- inside information on him. Uh, um, it, I hear from what um, I've read on you thing you like Formula One. Mm. What's your favourite Formula One racer? Um, I don't tend to have a favourite driver at the moment. There's a whole bunch of drivers I like, particularly the new guys coming through, like George Russell, Lando Norris, Carlos Sainz, um, Charles Leclerc. Uh, I really, I, I used to be a big Damon Hill fan and I used to be a big Jensen Button fan, but since they retired, since their day has gone, I've been more interested in following a whole bunch of, of uh, drivers and um, I follow all the news. I watch everything I can and I listen to podcasts and watch YouTube and stuff. And yeah. um, I talk to my brothers and my nephew about Formula One as well. We have a special messenger group for it. And also, uh, my last question to you, um, uh, was your, the, what was your best moment um, in all the books and all the awards that you've won, what was your best moment out of all the awards and books that you've wrote? I think it must be when The Christmas Promise went to number one on Kindle. Uh, that's in the UK. Yeah. It was number one um, for about five days before Christmas um, 2016. And it was yeah. unreal. It was absolutely unreal. Um I had people telling me on all kinds, you know, on Twitter and Facebook, you're number one, Sue, you're number one. And my editor was sending me messages and my agent was sending me messages. And I just could not believe that mine was the best selling book in all of the UK. So, yeah, although I'm a Sunday Times bestseller now, and uh, as you say, I've won awards, um, a summer to remember won one just in March. Um, the uh, Contemporary Romantic Novel Award. That moment was like a real breakthrough for me. It was literally a dream come true. And I cried. I couldn't stop crying. Yeah. Well, at least you did it. I did it and I enjoyed it. Uh, Right, I'll end my podcast with you now because I know you're a busy lady and you've got things to do. I really appreciate you coming on. It means the world to me that you've come on my podcast. You're welcome, Adam. And and also that you've listened to my podcast. That means the world to me because obviously my podcast is a big thing for me. So it means a lot that someone like you would come on and talk to me. You're welcome. I appreciate you coming on. I hope you stay safe through the rest of the coronavirus. And... um, Take care for now. Yeah, and you, Adam. Take care and good luck. See you. Cheers. Bye.